Well, today I want to speak to you about or talk to us about in it to win it. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? In it to win it? Well, and uh, on a TV show it's called A Minute to Win It, but uh, I was thinking of the, contest of the context of in it to win it. And whenever we are participating in something, it, it, and I know the um, competition factor is difficult uh, because we think that there are winners and there are losers. And we don't remember who the Super Bowl second place was, third place was. Perhaps it's just hard enough for us to win, wonder who was the Super Bowl champion. Or hockey. Hockey's been going on and the Pittsburgh Penguins have lost and they're no longer in the tournament, so they're not going to be in it to win it. Uh, so baseball started and we've got the baseball teams going and we have a long, long, long summer of baseball. <laughs> Uh, but it's good that they're winning, and we have rankings, and we have this team beating that team. And so we have all these different things going on. But what about our Christian faith? What about the race that we are in, in our faith? In it to win it. Now, we don't want to think of it in the context that only one wins. You see, the, the context of Scripture is that when we cross the line... <laughs> When we die and go and our life is over, we cross the line with Christ in our heart, we have won the race. Paul says that I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith. So there's, there's difficulty. And in the scriptures, there's a lot of analogies that are brought out. That we've fought, we fought the good fight, <laughs> the boxers. Uh, we have completed, competed and we have won the race. That we are encompassed about by so, so great a crowd of witnesses. It's like all of the saints before us that are in heaven are in the arena and they're cheering us on in our Christian. So there are a number of analogies given in the scriptures that talk about the soldier, <laughs> the soldier, the, the armor of God, the running the race, that we compete in an earthly race to win the wreath that they would wear upon their heads only for it to die, but we compete against, and we as Christians compete for a heavenly reward that is eternal. So all of these things are talking about and comparing our life to boxing, to a soldier, to running, to completing. Well, in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, it says, Your life is a journey. So this analogy is not a race, but a journey. And a journey is something that we are beginning. And where does the, where does the journey begin? <laughs> well, the journey has already begun. Some of you, you know, we need to know that we are, we haven't, we've already begun the race. Okay? We've already begun the journey. And where is the journey taking you? The journey is taking you right here. Right here, right now, you're on a journey, you're on a path, you're, you're competing for a prize that is eternal. We are listening for how that God is going to do a work in our life and make a difference in this journey. So your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. 
a deep consciousness. consciousness. Are you aware God's with you? <laughs> See, every moment of every day, every thought, you know, the Bible says we are to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Well, you know, does that mean we'll be on our knees and pray? No, that we have every thought is a recognition of a conscious of God thought. That God is with me. That we're never alone. He is never so far away as to be just near us so that we are practicing a God consciousness. We are developing a God consciousness. That God is with me in the trials, in the travels, if I'm walking next door or we're going halfway around the world, God is with us. God is with me in every situation, so I am to be consciously aware that God is with me and I am in his hands, in his presence, that he is walking with me. Steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. That he is a light unto my path, that he will make the crooked places straight, he will bring the, the valleys up and the mountains down. He goes before us. He goes behind us. He is to the left of me. He is to the right of me. He is beneath me. He is above me. He is in me. We find that in each of the scriptures and throughout the scriptures, there is this relational experience that we are to have with God. And so we are to have a conscious, a deep consciousness of God. A deep consciousness of God. Most of the time we're aware now, some people aren't aware of anything, you know, but we need to be aware. <laughs> we need to be aware that God is with us. God has a plan and a purpose. Now, it cost God plenty. I, I, this, this scripture just kind of, this week just kind of jumped out at me, so that's what we're working on today. Uh, it cost God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. <laughs> it cost God Plenty. You see, if you've been watching the uh, movie A.D., <laughs> uh, I think it's, a, it's been very, pretty much on with uh, its presentations of what happens in, in, in the scriptures. And, and we've had the, coming through the Easter season, the, the uh, passion of Christ. We had his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It cost God plenty. See, God paid everything to redeem us, to bring us out of that dead end, dead end, empty-headed life. So if we are on a journey, we're not going to a dead end. Well, we're all going to die, so therefore it's a dead end. No. Christians live forever. Everybody lives forever, some with God, some without God. We're not on a dead-end journey. We are, we are on a journey that is taking us on the road of life, and the giver of life is the one who's leading us, and he's the one breathing into us the gift of life. If we didn't have a purpose, we wouldn't be alive. And God has called us to be here, and he has brought us to this place for such a time as this, for this moment in time. And I mentioned it in Sunday school, and uh, I've been thinking about how that, over the years, how that God has just arranged different things to come together to this very point in time. You know, divine appointments, not interruptions. I was thinking of, um, I told, Rhonda, I told this in Sunday school, so it's about you. Thanks. 
<laughs> she wonders, what is he telling now? <laughs> well, whenever I was in high school, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I guess it's graduation, I don't know what it is. But anyhow, when I was in high school, and I graduated in 1967, so these you want to keep track, I graduated in 1967, but I wanted to go to college. But I was only, you know, when I was, when I was a senior in high school, when I started senior year, I was 16 years old. That's pretty young. <laughs> my kids, my family kicked me out of the house. They couldn't stand me any longer, so they sent me to first grade. So, no. But anyhow, um, somewhere around ninth grade, 10th grade, I decided I wanted to go to college because I wanted to play football. So my desire to play football took me to take the college courses. Well, I was out of sync with the kids in my class who were taking the college courses. So I was taking, I was the older guy in the back of this room taking, having uh, classes with the younger groups that were on the college courses. So anyhow, went through that, graduated, went to, applied to one school, went to, this, went to the um, guidance counselor, and she says, well, I think there's one school that might accept you. <laughs> so I applied to that one school. And I was accepted, and I was accepted on a summer program. So, little to, you know, I went to school that summer, and I was going to play football in the fall, but I was not eligible. So I had to wait a year. The next year, 1969, 67, 68, 69, 68. There, I see it needed. In 1968, <laughs> went back to school, went early, tried out for the football team, made it. And uh, my friend and I were playing on the football team, and we did very well. I thought so. You know, the, the guys who were supposed to be better than us just beat up on them. And it was just, it was great. But then I went and asked them for a scholarship, and they said, nah, no money this year. You're just going to have to wait a year. I said, I'm not waiting a year. <laughs> you know how hard this is? You know, in high school, you would see stars maybe, and, you know, you hit people, and you'd see stars maybe once or twice a game. Well, in college, you would see stars about two or three times a practice. <laughs> it was a whole different level, whole different thing. And I thought, if I'm going to do this, I want paid for it. And anyhow, my friend and I, we were roommates, and we quit, went back to main campus. And whenever we got there, Rhonda was there. <laughs> Imagine that. But Rhonda went to Alderson Broadus. And she was in a summer program, not because she couldn't get in, but because she wanted to take some classes ahead of time that there were the more advanced classes. She's the smart one. I, did, I had to get it to get in. She was just doing it so she didn't have to take all the hard ones. Anyhow, the only D I think she got in her entire college career was in a summer school in her entire life. She needed to add that one in there. The only D she ever got in her entire life was in a summer school course, which her, Alderson Broadus, decided, we can't keep her, she's got a C and a D. She's got to leave. But they didn't realize she wasn't there on a summer program to qualify to get in. She was already in, and they told her she couldn't come back. And they, she said, where am I going to go? And her guidance counselor says, go to Salem. <laughs> and there she goes, her first day at college, and I'm an upperclassman, and I took her beanie. <laughs> First day she's at school, the only, only person I had ever dated in college was her. 
and I took our beanie. And so here we are, two people crossing, because if I had made the football team, I would have stayed out at main campus, and, but I was at the uh, extension campus. And come to find out later, when she worked for the athletic department, they said if he'd have just stayed, we'd have given him a full scholarship. But that fall, but that fall, that same 1968, I went to church at the Assembly of God Church there in Clarksburg, West Virginia, and at the altar, I felt that God called me to the ministry. So in that brief period of time, I had my dream come true. I made the team. Second dream was I met my wife. And the third, team wa- third thing was God called me into the ministry within about a six-week period of time, maybe even four weeks. My whole life changed and on a four-week period of time that brought in the intersections of different people in different places that would affect the rest of my life. You see, we are on a journey. We are on a journey that God knows where we are going, and he knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing and exactly where we're supposed to be and doing and learning and growing in this whole process. Her, what's uh, John's? What relation is he to you? Anne, who comes to, to um, church here once in a while. She lives in Florida and Wisconsin. Uh, her son, just this week, got his Ph.D. And from where? University of Iowa. It's on some physics, whatever, plasma. That's it. It's on the shadow of a plasma. Okay? Anyhow. <laughs> what, what, but see, people have skills. People have abilities. People have, but see, God is the one who has put inside of us our skills and our abilities. And some people are going to be plasma people. <laughs> and some people are going to be educators. And some people are going to be workers. And some people are going to be preachers and teachers. And people are, you know, whatever we are, we are exactly suited for that, per- that person and that place that we are. And God has given us the skills and the abilities. If I'd have been about six inches taller, and at that time, I weighed, <laughs> I weighed a mere 175 pounds. Vicious, powerful person I was. Yeah, that, that deserves a cough. <laughs> but that very time and place is exactly where I needed to be because that pastor of the church there in Clarksburg, West Virginia, had sent a number of people to Zion Bible College. And that's the only place I went, applied to go to seminary, to Bible school. I only applied one place <laughs> to go to college. Rhonda ends up there by mistake. <laughs> her best destiny is in front of her. <laughs> and maybe she has other ways of saying that. But, uh, but we, we, you know, those things happen, and we look at our life. Where are the transitions? Where are the transactions? Where are the crossroads? And you see, life is a journey. <laughs> Where are we going? What is God teaching us along the way? How, are, how is our heart open to what God wants to say to us? The things that we think we need sometimes aren't what we need. That was in our Sunday school lesson this morning. When Peter 
is walking into the, the temple and the lame man is seated there on the floor. He can't walk. He, he, wants, he wants a handout. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. And you see, here is a chance that the man has an idea. He needs money because he can't eat unless people put it into his life. Peter says, look at me. And see, in our life, Jesus wants us to see him. Jesus wants us to look upon him, see his character, see his image, see who he is. And we see that character and image as we study the scripture. We see that person of Jesus and who he was and what he thought, how he thought, what he believed and what he wants us to believe and how that he wants us to put our faith in him and to look at him and to see him in the word. And then that word comes alive in our hearts and minds and we are praying and we will be praying and continue to pray God, here I am, a lame person, but what I need is money so I can survive. And Peter comes along and says, silver and gold I have. What you want is not what I've got, but I've got something you need. (laughs) That's what makes us different. That's what makes us as Christians, as believers, different than anyone else. Because God has a way when we pray. God, you know what I need? I need silver and gold. (laughs) And the Spirit of God comes and says, you don't need silver and gold. What you need is Jesus. And when Jesus touches our lives, he forgives us of our sins. He fills us with his Spirit. He gives us his Word, and he teaches us and leads us along in our daily life. God is about... touching our life so here we are on this journey and God did everything we were on a dead end empty-headed way we were on a dead end empty-headed way because we were lost without God but now that God is in our life we have a purpose we still have problems (laughs) we still have difficulties we still fall down But you see, we have hope to get up. We have hope to change the world. I've always I've always felt, you know, down, down deep, you know, I've had these grandiose dreams. (laughs) Anybody have grandiose dreams? Yes. Grandiose dreams. Yeah. I want to change the world. So where does God take me? (laughs) Winber. Okay, there's a world changing place. Amen. (laughs) You know? But uh, guess what? From Wimber, we we can reach the world. From Wimber, we can reach the world. (laughs) See, I never thought, you know, we think of our children, I think of David and Rachel, you know, they're reaching the world. David's changing the world. David, <laughs> he sat there like you. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, Dylan. Dylan, Tyler. Hey. <laughs> Hope. <laughs> I'm going to get you all straight here. David sat there. I had to listen to my dad every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. We had church three times a week. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just think how easy you're getting off. Uh, <laughs> and how that God was able to, what we put in his heart, what was put in his heart here by you, by the older individuals that were here, and the ones he grew up with. You've changed his life, and his life is changing the world, touching the world, but so are you. You see, we do things that we don't even know of and how that the snowball effect of those things has an impact, has an impact. And as we do things, God is the one who takes what we do and multiplies it. Silver and gold, it isn't the silver and gold that's going to change the life, it's the touch of Jesus Christ from our life to their life. It's God taking the five loaves and two fishes, five flat pancakes and two sardines. It is God taking what doesn't count. You see, when the people sat down, there were 5,000 men, plus women and children. The people who didn't count are the ones who fed everybody. Because some mother, who doesn't count, (laughs) packed a lunch for a little boy who was going to go listen to a preacher. (laughs) And the people who didn't count, the little boy and the mother, are the ones who provided what God needed as he touched it and multiplied it to touch other people's lives. So you cannot say what you have and what you give and what you do doesn't have a a, a multiplying effect, a a compounding effect upon everything and about people around us. And the things that eternity will reveal, the things that eternity will give us rewards for, what you rewarded for, is what you've done. You see, and we empty-headed life that we grew up, he paid with Christ's sacred blood. Our, our life was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our life was redeemed. The, the evil and the mistakes and the failures of our life were completely erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it, the, the, there's a brief thing. So even, though it was, even though it has only lately, at the end of the age, become public, public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. That's what I love. (laughs) God always knew he was going to do this for you. Before the world began, God knew you would be here, and God knew what he was going to do in your life to make a difference for you and everyone you touch. Because what God is about is not just about us. It's about how he is going to touch our lives to touch others. I need some help. I need at least one, two, three, four. I need six people. I already picked out two. Zach, come on down. (laughs) And his friend. Ah. Two, four. I need two more. One. All right, who wants, to be a, who wants to be a victim? Who wants to be the sixth? Going once, Tabby's coming. Ah, yeah, Jose. Yeah. All right, what I want you to do, and, and it's just for this thing, get around the altar here, and I want you to kneel down and put your hand on the altar, okay? Now, here you go. I'm giving you this. 
I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. <laughs> there we go. Here we go. And you have to get used to it. I do this all the time. All right? <laughs> now, here we are at the altar, each of us. What we've got, what we've received, you didn't bring with you. Okay? When we ask Christ into our heart and our lives, he gives us something we didn't have. Himself. And that's just kind of figuratively in this, in this illustration. It's, it's like the candle. Now, I'm not God. In case you get confused, I'm not, okay? <laughs> All right? I'm not God. But God has given to each one of us different things, different abilities. Now, they all look the same. You know, they all look like candles. But inside, you're different. Now, I'm going to give you something. Please hold this so you don't burn yourself. Now, this is like God with the gifts of the Holy Spirit giving you life and hope and strength, and he's going to help you. And this is the light of God alive in your hearts. This is the light of God alive in each one of our hearts. So here we are at an altar. We've given our life to Christ, and the light and the love of God are now in our hearts, okay? What I want you to do is stand up. Now you're going to run a race. <laughs> okay? And the race is all around and come back down and finish here. But the candle can't go out. Okay? And people along the way may try and it out. All right? Hopefully they don't have bad breath. It out. Okay? Now, but the emphasis is on finishing with the light on. Okay? So let's begin our race. Let's center out. Don't make it too long. Don't let it go out. There's a fan blowing. Blow at him. Blow at him. <laughs> oh! Protect the light. Don't let the light go out. <laughs> okay, come on down. Wait a minute. Keep it going. Keep, okay, what happens when your light goes out? Yeah. Okay, wait a minute now. Okay, what happens when our light... What happens when our light goes out? We go back to Christ who lights it up again. Take another trip. Stay, stay here. You finished your course. That, Tabby? You finished your course. You finished your course. Yeah, you see, whenever we finish our course, the light must be lit. <laughs> okay, remember now, the goal is to finish with your light on. Zach! Come on down, get it written. Hurry up, bypass him. Oh. <laughs> Come on down. If your light's out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, here. 
That's it. Come on down. That's it. Okay. Protect the light. Protect the light. Protect your light. Protect your light. Protect your light. Uh, hurry up. Dylan. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't go out. We got one more to finish. Is it still it? Come on. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you know what? That's just like, you see what happens is, <laughs> what, what happens is, some people are friends. Sometimes our friends will be the ones <laughs> who try to extinguish. Slow down. Don't let it go out. There we go. All right, sometimes our friends will try and get our lights blown out. Sometimes people around us will try and get our lights blown out. Family, ex- put it away. We go slow. Go slow, go slow, go slow. There we go, yeah! <laughs> okay, what happens is when we finish the course with our light lit. And you see, no matter how many times it goes out, we have to go back to the source, which is God, to light our life. And we can try, and we can try, and it comes from unexpected places, people, neighbors, friends, trying to blow it out. (laughs) Unexpectedly, you did very well. (laughs) Yeah, it took a while to get into it, right? (laughs) But you see what happens is, I finished my course. When life is over, we want our light that is in Christ to be alive and burning brightly. Okay? And no matter what happens in our life, always protect the life that we have in Christ. Always protect that life that we have in Christ because God will give us the strength and the ability, the wisdom, the knowledge, and you found out in different ways how the people try to extinguish our lights and sometimes people we didn't expect would blow out our light but always in Christ we are more than conquerors and we keep doing and we keep going and we keep returning to the light Christ and he will help us finish our journey amen okay do you want to blow out your candle you just want to take it home lit (laughs) Uh, blow it out (laughs) That's good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, trick candles. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That turned out better than I expected. <laughs> so, but what are we? We are on a journey. Our journey, you know. It isn't about finishing. It's about taking the whole, the whole life as a journey. It's the journey that makes the difference. And as we go through each avenue of life, there are surprises and there are things that we, you know, when you, took, when you started, did you ever think who would be first, who would be last? Because there wasn't a first and last. There's only a finish. <laughs> There's only a finish. You see, we have to run the race to finish. I've kept the faith. I have finished my course. 
That's what God is doing in our lives. He's giving us the strength, the wisdom, the understanding. He's giving to us what we didn't have, the candle. He is empowering us with the light that we didn't have, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through life, if we become too distracted by the light, we run into things. If we become too distracted by the people, we let the fl flame go out. So when people are so heavenly-minded, they can't communicate with people, they're no earthly good. But when we're so earthly-minded, we lose perspective of our light and it goes out. So it's a balance between keeping the light and the love of God alive inside of us and in our heart and walking our life. God gives us wisdom, guidance, and understanding. And what we are up to is living for God. Amen? Amen? Let's all stand. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings in our life. Thank you, Lord, for your divine provision. And as we are about this journey, God, it has cost you everything to give us something. You've given us yourself. We ask for your wisdom, your guidance. We ask for your strength, your power, as we keep your light alive inside of us by our prayers and by our belief. And by our knowledge, we will not let others get us off course. Thank you, God, for giving us your light, your love in Jesus Christ. These things we ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everybody says, amen. amen. God bless you.